You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. The first time that we um, ever went to TGI Fridays, I was thinking about what a strange surname it is. And I spent most of the first 10 or so minutes trying to work out what the initials were. Terence, you know, Guy... Isaac, or what, what was his name? And, and finally, somewhere on the, the menu, I, uh, silly me, I'm, I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, but, I, but finally on the menu, I realized that it was short for that, that little, little phrase, which is sometimes used, and, um, and of course, it takes the Lord's name in vain, but thank God that it's Friday. Of course, it's a, a reference to the, to the fact or an expression, meaning the work week is over. Work is over. Well, I guess we could think about Good Friday in the same way. The work is over. The work is over. For religious people of whatever faith, your work and your striving, it's over. For irreligious people of no faith, your fence-sitting is is over. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it's finished. It's over. It's done. You can stop your striving. I guess for religious people, that's the, that's the fight instinct. I'm going to make this right with God. For irreligious people, that's the flight instinct. I'm just going to run away from God. Isaiah 53, 6, which Lucky read before, says that, you know, all of humanity, we're all like sheep. We've all gone astray, each of us to our own way. And secretly, all of us know it. There's a part of us which, which just as the video was, was displaying before, we've all reached for that fruit. We've all turned and gone our own way. We've all all said that basically we know better than our maker. And it leaves us with two questions that have to be answered. And if we can stop fighting or flighting for long enough, the first question is, what do I do about the dark part of me? And the second question is, how do I get right with God? What do I do about the dark part of me? That's that... That part, I, I love the picture in the old classic film, The Mission, where you've got the old slave trader climbing up the falls, and on his back is, is, a, is a big net filled with all sorts of things, which is making the climb up the falls so treacherous, so dangerous, so difficult, but for him it's penance. In his mind, this is what I will do to make it right with God. And that bag is like a bag of sin. It's the dark part of him that eventually needs to be cut loose. What can we do about the dark part of us? We've been looking at 2 Corinthians um, chapters 2 to 5. We've been trying to understand as a church a little bit about this this new covenant of grace that we now come under through, through Jesus Christ. We sing about amazing grace. You've heard the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. You know that. The phrase Amazing Grace hardly stuns you. We, we hear it all the time. But what is so amazing about grace? What, what is it about this, this covenant of grace that we would be celebrating on a day like today? Well, in chapter 5, verse 14, Paul goes on to explain this a little bit more. He's about to talk about this new creation that we are, but we can only be a new creation because Jesus has decisively dealt with something that was very wrong in our lives. He has helped us to get rid of the the dark part of all of us. In chapter 5, verse 14, we read, and, and I think we might even be able to put that up on the screen for you in a moment, but we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. 
Paul is saying that of himself and and the other apostles who share this gospel. We're convinced that one died, that is Jesus Christ, one died for all, and therefore all died. This is, this is the substitution. This is Jesus dying in, in our place. Whereas at one point, we should have died for our sin. Jesus takes our place. He is the substitute for it. A commentator by the name of Tasker says, He died the death that we should have died. Athanasius wrote this. He said, the word, capital W, the word Jesus, the word, since it was not possible for him to die, assumed a body that was capable of dying so that he might offer it as his own in place of all. We watched us recently, and those of you who are movie buffs have probably looked at the short and thought, yes, this would be a good movie, Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks. Um, In it, and I won't, spoiler alert, um, nobody dies that I can remember in a bad way uh, with language. Um, But Tom Hanks is basically a lawyer in the US and a situation arises during the Cold War where an American pilot flying over Russia is captured. In New York, a Russian spy is is sprung and he is captured and and the two countries uh, enter into sort of uh, uh, quiet negotiations as to how they can do a swap. Each of them is scared that, that somehow, you know, America is scared that somehow this pilot is going to, under pressure, reveal the secrets of their new spy plane, and, and Russia is, is somehow worried that their spy there in New York is, is going to real, reveal something about the, the Russian situation with the Cold War, and so this swap takes place in East Berlin. It's night, it's cold, it's dark, it's lonely, somebody's wet and probably wants their mummy. And there they all gather together and they're about to cross the bridge and do the swap for these two spies. Tom Hanks, the lawyer representing the Russian spy, stands with him and, and as they're trying to discern, is that pilot, is that really the guy that we want? We don't want to swap you know, the wrong person. And, and as they're trying to work this out, he has a quiet conversation with the Russian spy and he essentially says, are you looking forward to going back and how will they receive you? And the Russian spy just says with a poker face, I don't know. If they embrace me, I guess it will be good. If they sit me in the back seat, I guess it's not. And then slowly they're given the the go-ahead to start to walk towards the middle of the bridge and, and there's a passing that takes place, one life for the other. As the Russian spy moves past the American pilot, he realizes that, that this person is really taking my place and vice, vice versa. And the American pilot, not really knowing what the fate of this Russian spy would be, glances over at him. And in a split second, the two men look into one another's faces and realize that each other is the substitute for them. There is a sense in which we, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we walk that bridge, spiritually speaking. We are held captive. Our soul is held captive by an enemy. Spiritually, we're dead. We have this dark past. There's nothing that we can particularly do about that. 
But in this wonderful mystery of Jesus going to the cross, we all of a sudden are able to bridge the gap of alienation between God and us. And as we cross over that bridge and as we look into the eyes of Jesus, you might think that we might see fear or perhaps even dread. But instead, we simply see love and compassion. The cross didn't just happen to Jesus. Jesus made it happen. He freely walked the bridge for us. Filled with love and compassion, he wanted to substitute himself for yourself. That's what we are celebrating this Easter. That's what can be done about the dark part of us. And then Paul goes on in this same passage and he, and he says this in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is, a, this is an intriguing verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Well, that, that means, just as we were exploring before, that means that he has taken our punishment for us, substituted himself for us. Yes, but more than that, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, he doesn't just take our punishment. We actually take his reward. Isn't that amazing? We take his righteousness. His righteousness becomes ours. He takes our punishment. We take his reward. We take his righteousness upon ourselves. Our lives, we, we exchange for truth, his truth. Our filth is exchanged for his purity. Our indignity is exchanged for his honor. Our confusion for his soundness of mind. Our brokenness is exchanged for his perfection. Our fear for his love. Our disarray for his order. Our wounds for his healing. Our shame for his peace. Our darkness for his light. Our lostness for his belonging. Our mortality for his life. Some of you have heard this story before. As I was preparing for this morning, I thought, I'm going to go back to it. It was many years ago, we were serving as a family on board the MV Dulos, and um, we're in Thailand. There were thousands of visitors to the ship. Everybody was just tired and worn thin, and morale was low, and Sam's brother and I were part of the leadership team at that time, and we were wondering what to do about morale, and, and there were crowds of people waiting outside the ship to, to come on board. And we felt bad, to be quite honest, because they would only be on for a short while. And it, it, part of us just felt it wasn't worth the wait, you know. So we would go down and, and do entertainment. Those who could play guitars and sing would go down and play guitars and sing. And, and Andrew and I had a brainstorming session. We kind of thought about all of our gifts and talents and abilities and what we would have to offer by way of entertainment for the, for the crowds down there. And we couldn't think of anything. And eventually, um, I just had this moment of inspiration. Well, at least I thought it was. And I said, well, well, some of the guys dress up as clowns and just do funny things. Why don't we do that? And uh, Andrew thought, I, I reckon we could clown. Yeah, that probably plays to one of the few strengths that we have. Let's, let's do that. And so we booked in with the creative ministries team to make, be made and dressed up like clowns. And Part of the thinking here was they were really serious about their clowning. You had to have face paint, like your entire face 
painted and wigs and noses and big shoes. And anyway, it took about 40, it was about a 40 minute process to be made up like a clown. And uh, so we'd booked in for this. And um, during our meeting, actually, I'd, I'd forgotten, we were interrupted for a brief moment by Rolf Schwartzman, who was the purser of the ship. And and he was just saying, guys, because you flew in for that training course, you're on a different visa to everybody else on the ship. You need to get a new visa. Um, so at some point, it's either an entire day in the middle of Bangkok or probably just a quick half hour down at the Port Authority, which will you have? We said, the Port Authority. And he said, OK, but I can't guarantee when that is going to be. No worries, Rolf, just make it happen. So he looked after that for us. Well, one Saturday morning, we're in the Creative Ministries office and and the staff there are just applying the finishing touches. Um, we, were, we were the best clowns you've ever seen. We had the wig on, had hair. We had the nose, had the big shoes. Um, and, uh, and there's a knock on the door. And Rolf Schwartzman opens the door and he pokes his head in and he says, Andrew, Stuart, Stuart, Andrew? Who's who? And it was impossible to tell us. We're both just completely and beautifully dressed up like clowns. And, and I said, oh, it's me, Rolf. It's me. I'm really a clown. And, and Andrew, likewise, said, we said, what, what are you after? He said, well, you know how I said it would just happen like that? The visas? Yes. Now. And we're just, we said, you're kidding, aren't you? This is a joke. This is, you guys, you're so funny. And he said, no, seriously, we're going to go down to immigration now. Now's the window of opportunity. And we're just weighing it up. A day in the city of Bangkok or down to the Port Authority. So again, a moment of inspiration. I piped up. Can we go like this? And Rolf said, I guess so. And so we went dressed as, as clowns and made our way down the gangway, which wasn't easy with the big shoes, I must say. And then we got into the car. We climbed in with Rolf and with my, my good, good buddy, um, uh, uh, and, you know, he just, just saying, you know, what on earth are we doing, you know? <laughs> How is it that uh, I've, I've ended up with a couple of clowns like you? And we drive down to the, to the Port Authority. Now, up to this point in time, I just thought that this is, this is kind of a good outcome for the day. And, and as we pulled up outside the office and, and saw the officialdom of it all, guards outside with guns that looked like they worked and stuff. Um, all of a sudden, I, I, was, I, was having, I was having second thoughts. And as we went in there, you know, dressed as, as two clowns into the immigration office, again, more guards, security, guns, and, and I guess overtones of arrest and, and jails and things, I stood there with my passport and suddenly realised that the photo in my passport strangely didn't match the way that I was currently appearing. And I had just a few moments to think about this and what would happen when he couldn't make out that I was who this person was and so forth. And, and I started to break out into a sweat. I thought, this isn't funny at all, actually. This is serious. And here I am dressed as a clown. And next is what I heard. And so I walk over to the counter and, and decide, the fact I've got a smile painted on my face, I have the straightest face I possibly can, pass over the passport and then just take up the, the position. And uh, the immigration officer, he looks at the passport and he stares at the photo and then he looks at me and he stares at the photo and he looks at me and the photo and me and the photo and then does the most remarkable thing. He stamped it and said, welcome to Thailand. 
I was just staring at him, thinking, thank you, thank you. And then the smile was real, and I got out of there as fast as I could. There is a sense in which one day, when this earthly life is, is, is over and done with, those of us who belong to, to Christ Jesus will appear, and we don't know how it's all going to, to roll out, there is mystery in, in this, but we know it will be something along the lines of we will appear in what is called the heavenlies before God Almighty, our maker. In some ways, the, the reverence and the awe that he deserves will cause Thai immigration to pale into insignificance. He's the one that you cannot see face to face and live unless he permits it to be so. There we will be in, in awe of our maker and feeling just a little bit like clowns. <laughs> like, who are we? Like, who? wow, wow, look at this place. Look at you. Wow, who am I? This clown to be in the presence of the Almighty. And I believe our Heavenly Father will look at us. And He'll look at His Son, Jesus. And He'll look at us. And He'll look at His Son, Jesus. And all of the righteousness, everything that is right about His Son will be seen in our face. And He will simply say, Oh, my child, welcome home. Welcome home. That's what it means for, for us to become righteous in the eyes of God so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. We might have a right standing with God. Jesus answers both questions. What can we do about the dark part of us? I'll take that for you, he says. I'll substitute myself for your sin. And how might I be right with God? Jesus said, I've got that covered as well. Indeed, I'm going to cover you with my righteousness. When God looks at you, he will see me. And then in verse 2, just a few verses down from this, Paul sums up his argument with the Corinthians in this way. He says, So I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to understand these things. Now is the day of salvation. Before, before Jesus, the word had not become flesh and there was no hope. After the return of Jesus, again, there will be no hope. Today is the day. It's now, today, right now. Now is the moment to decide, I want to take God up on his offer of salvation. Today. Today is that moment. Today is the day for your salvation. Pre-Jesus, the work of the cross had not been done. After his return, that decision needs to be made now. There is no other name. Just if you're sitting on the fence and wondering, is there any other name under heaven by which I can be saved? No, there's not. 
No, there's not. Peter declared it. The word says, there is no other name under heaven by which you may be saved. Is there another way? Can I reason my way out of this? Surely God is reasonable. Oh, I'll just have a chat with him because I have a few issues, to be quite honest. No, there is no other way. It's very, very hard to argue with God when you're flat on your face, dumbstruck. There's no other way. Only Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Paul is essentially saying to the Corinthians, come on, stop doubting. Believe. You know this stuff. You know this stuff. It's time. Today's the day. Stop your doubting, which is a choice, by the way. And just believe. Believe. We're going to celebrate all that Christ has done for us. We're going to celebrate the fact that that dark part of us has been dealt a lethal blow. Christ has substituted himself for us. He has taken our place on the cross, died the death that we should have died. We're going to celebrate that by, by taking communion, the Lord's Supper, the table of remembrance. These elements symbolize, of course, the blood of Christ, which was shed for us, and the body of Christ, which was broken for us. Many of us here have, have come to a place where we've laid aside our doubts and stepped out in faith, and that's what it takes, yes, stepped out in faith and said, I accept this. I accept the work of Christ. I believe it. And we celebrate and we remember this often, frequently. But perhaps there's someone here today who has... You've been sitting on the fence, really, for a long time now. Oh, you've had your doubts and your arguments and yes, yes, yes. But today's the day and, and you felt that tug in your heart of the Lord himself turning your heart towards him and saying, come on, come on, you know this stuff. You know this. Today's the day. And perhaps today you would like to take your first ever communion. Perhaps today, as, as we take these elements, you'd like to join the crowd of others who are also doing so and, and to take that cup and to take that bread and you might not understand everything. Well, welcome. <laughs> None of us do. That's okay. But you understand enough to know that I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ. I hear him saying, that now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. I want that day to be today. And if that's so, even though you've never done it before, even though you might have some questions, I invite you today to join us and to take your first communion. And for those who are already a part of God's family and a regular part of our church here at EBC, once more, now is that time we remember what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful it's Friday, a day of remembering your sacrificial atonement. 
for us. That you would take our place. You would die the death that we deserve to die. We owed you our very lives and, and you paid that price for us. And as we take the cup and as we take the bread, we want to celebrate in faith the reality of that history-changing moment thousands of years ago where you built a bridge so that humanity could get over it. Well, Lord, Today we're walking that bridge. We're accepting your love and your compassion. We're celebrating the fact that you've made a way. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.